All right, as we're recording this, we had some exciting games in the NBA all weekend. Honestly, going back to Thursday when the NBA um, officially started after his all-star break, you had Jason Tatum hit a crazy game winner, and then Embiid short just a couple seconds too late after the shot clock, you know, back-and-forth game between two powerhouses in the East. Milwaukee won their 14th straight Saturday. I, I don't, don't quote me on the exact date. But I think it's since January, either January 13th or January 23rd, the Milwaukee Bucks are undefeated. I think they're first in defensive rating, they're first in offensive rating. I don't know, some crazy like that. But a lot of teams are getting like geared up for their end of season playoff runs. Milwaukee, who's probably going to be one of the healthier top tier contending teams in the league with getting Chris Middleton back at the All-Star break. It's going to be a crazy, crazy look. They also picked up a big win against Milwaukee. I mean, not against Milwaukee, but excuse me, against Phoenix today, who's waiting on the arrival of Kevin Durant, which I think is Wednesday. Right. Yep. Wednesday, and then the um, second TV game today, we had Lakers and Mavericks come down to the last couple seconds where the Mavericks had a 20-plus point lead throughout the, throughout most of the game. And shout-out to Anthony Davis and what he did. I want to say that first. I want to make sure he gets his credit for going out there and closing and looking like a top two player on a team that's really fighting for us. Like, and just a top two player on a good team in general. But Jared Vanderbilt and the work he came in did in the latter part of the second half, just the second half in general against Luka and Kyrie, really shifted a lot of things for Dallas. Just his momentum, um, his hard work, his hustle, and his defense. But, uh, you know, you excited for this part of the season? Because, like, I don't want to call it the second half because it's, like, only 20-some games left. But yeah, it ain't the second half. It's more of the the ending stretch uh, or whatever. But yeah, this week has been a good week. Like you said, it started off. So we came back um, with some big games, yeah, especially that Celtics Sixers game last night. He had forty one in that game. So he's been he's been going crazy. But uh, like you said, yeah, we was watching the Laker game. And Vanderbilt was big for them on the defense, being able to you know use his length to guard Luca, Anthony Davis took over the game. It was funny, right when we were talking about the game, they said something about them, and we was like, uh, um, as we always say, Anthony Davis need to be the best player on the court to take over the game. She should have to lean on LeBron so much. And like from that moment on, he, he, he got some buckets, he got some rebounds, he dunked on some people. Um, and that's always been the key for the Lakers is Anthony Davis. So, But you got to be excited for the thing to stretch as you get ready for the playoffs. A lot of teams are still in play for making the playoffs. So Atlanta got a big win today off a game when they shot off a Trey. Uh, you know, Miami's going to try and make some moves up to solidify their spot. So uh, you got to be excited to see how the season ends. All right. And with that being said, I'm John W. Fresh X. And we are the Hoopers. Just, I want to start with the um, Lakers-Dallas game since so that one's fresh off. Like I say, Vanderbilt came and had some good defensive possessions. Malik Beasley, who's always been – a, a timely knockdown catching shooter definitely knocked down some timely shots in both halves of the game today, especially in that second half to help them, you know, to help with the comeback and the push. So Dallas, you know, I think they're sitting at two and three now since the Kyrie trade. Uh, that fourth quarter, you can still see they're having some communication, at, you know, not issues, but they're still trying to get on the same page communication wise. They're too nice with each other, honestly. Right. Don't be scared to take the game over. Be do your thing. No, yeah, for sure. No, no, you good, you good. But do you like to see the Lakers taking advantage of that though, putting it in certain Jared Vanderbilt into that? Even just put more hustle like players in there with Max Reeves, 
not Max Reed, uh, Austin Austin Reed. Reed. I'll call him Max for some reason. But just those type of players who's going to be disruptive on defense and then be able to make timely plays on offense. Do you like that that Darvin Ham was able to take advantage of that and he did take advantage of it? Right. So, like you said, first with Dallas and uh, with Dallas inside, Dallas was up by, uh, I think, like 27. Um, so they really gave this one back away. They were firing on all cylinders. It's just when Dallas's problem so far seems to be, which the Lakers did a great job on defense, in my opinion. Um, they they played really well, but when the offense isn't flowing no more, Dallas seems to struggle to figure out how to get it back going, and especially now with Kyrie and Luca, because you can see that they're both like they played really well together and they played well off each other, but. Their struggles so far has been in the fourth quarter because it seems like, you know, Luka wants to be welcoming and like, yeah, I was averaging 33 before you came here, but, you know, you led the league in fourth quarter scoring. I don't mind you having the ball. And then Kyrie, in a sense, obviously I don't know what they're thinking, so I'm just saying what it looks like on the court. But, you know, Kyrie has to, yeah, Luka, you was averaging 33 MVP season. This is your franchise. So you see them being both being real friendly instead of just being ultra-assertive. Uh, and I think that's what they just need. Whoever has it going, I think it's the one that should lead. And who, if y'all both don't got it going, just flow through the offense or whatever. But they'll figure it out. But to the Lakers, they look in this game, and I, we didn't realize it the fourth quarter, at least me. I didn't realize it the fourth quarter. D'Angelo Russell wasn't even playing. Right. Um, but this team looked more athletic. They looked like they had more length on the court. Pause. Um, the defense just was solid, especially down the stretch. Like you said, you got to give credit to Vanderbilt because Luca's bigger than him, but Vanderbilt's probably the same height. than when you put the length long arm, oh, right, long arm, he, he wasn't going for a lot of the. You know, Luca does a lot of pump fakes and stuff like that. He stayed solid on his feet, and you can tell he really gave Luca some trouble. Luca was trying to uh, create some contact, get some foul calls, but he was just being solid. Um, the, Dallas is going to have problems rebounding, period. That's something right, that you yeah. brought up in the game. But with the size that the Lakers had on the court, it felt like they were going to be able to get all the loose balls. Um, and then even like some – I can't say mention how Dallas was throwing a lot of floating passes and just kind of some loose bounce passes. The Lakers was getting all of that because even when you get to like LeBron and Anthony Davis, you know, it's just a lot of size on the court. Right. Um, so this team looked good. The Lakers just needed, like I said, in the end, when it came out to the fourth quarter, especially as they're coming back, they're coming back. LeBron did a great job of putting them back in position, chipping away, getting to the basket. Um, and this is really, I feel like the Lakers are really a solid team. What they're missing is, I'm, I, you know, I'd be all against the, I don't, well, not against, but I don't care about the, the 38-year-old player thing, except when it comes down to this team and knowing that you got Anthony Davis on the team and, he needs to take a step up and trying to help LeBron and him carrying the load more. And, you know, that's what they got to do going down the stretch. When they went to him in that fourth quarter, nobody on the court can guard. It's like three people that's going to be able to imagine Anthony Davis on earth. If it ain't Giannis, KD, you know, who's really – who's really stopping or matching with Anthony Davis is going to give you. And, you know, they, we done heard that over and over, right, a million times. But when you see it in action, like him taking it over and him shooting his his, his fadeaway jumper that he got and just being aggressive and grabbing the rebounds and realizing nobody can stop him just powering up and dunking, he was really aggressive down the stretch in the fourth quarter. 
And honestly, that type of winning basketball is what's going to help the Lakers make the playoffs. I, I heard, I, I don't know if it's quoted, but I just remember them saying during the game, uh, Darwin Ham's goal is to get them to that sixth seed because it's there to, to get. And I mean, we've seen the play in doesn't seem to help you advance. It helps you get in the playoffs, but it don't help you advance because it's just a lot more extra basketball that you probably don't want to play. And once you get into that sixth seed, especially like I said, I believe Sacramento can hold on. I believe Sacramento can keep the three or the four, but if they keep that three, veteran teams are going to be gunning at them at the six. Because now it's like, all right, you respect the Bean team. Shout out to the Bean. I'm not even trying to put them on blast, but it's, they're, they're the young team. So it's prime for when you have that six seed and it's looking like Phoenix, Dallas, Lakers. One of those teams, you don't want to play them in the first round. Not no. even not even the Lakers. The Lakers team is is much better. No, I, I definitely, um, no, I definitely can dig what you're laying down there. Because Sacramento is the team that's going to be the least experienced out of the top three. That you know, all their stars or their better players, the younger players outside of Harrison Barnes. You know, he's the only. I think he's the only player on that team with like real life playoff, you know, experience for right. Him. Like I guess Sabonis, but Sabonis has never been out the first round, but he does have play playoff experience. But uh, the Lakers are going to be interested in the last 23 games, of course. LeBron said, you know, these are probably some of the most important 23 games of his career. Not count today because he doesn't want to miss the playoffs back-to-back. During the game, they said, I think they said the Lakers had to go 16-6. and six. I'm not looking to, you know, finish the season off to make the, to make the play-in just at the, at the minimum. It's, like I say, with the, how the team looked today – I think we can all say the trade was a success because they have been playing better, more cohesively, better defensively, better offensively, been playing faster as well. And without missing D'Angelo Russell, who they start point guard now. So, yeah, that's an right. important piece. Do you think it's, like you say, of course you said they need to be gunning for the six seed. If they don't want, that's if they don't want to play in the playing tournament, which they still have room to make that six seed. But do you think it's possible to make that up that much ground at this part of the season with so many games left in the year. Right. And, I mean, that's the main question. And it's like, do they got time to get back there? Um, and today's win put them at 29-32. and 32. Uh, Dallas is holding the 6 seed right now. So, of course, they would have lost that 32-30. and 30. So, it's like a three-game type of thing. So, it is room to get there. The, the main thing is you don't 100% control your own destiny, cause obviously, because you need some team to lose. And, like, Golden State is ahead of them right now. And they lacking Steph. Utah, uh, I expect them to fall. Portland, you can jump Portland. OKC, the Pelicans. Like, these are teams that you, I feel like they can get in front of, not Golden State. But, you know, when, when you get to the other team. But Golden State without Steph, you know what I mean? And you make the playoffs. So, right. <laughs> but, but Steph should be back, so. No, so. Oh, no, yeah, he'll be back this year. So um, it's realistically there for them to get. I mean, especially like I said, after today's win, they would sit at twenty-nine and thirty-two. Um I think Dallas still will hold the sixty at thirty-two and thirty. Golden State is thirty and thirty. Minnesota thirty-one and thirty-one. Utah thirty-one and thirty-one. New Orleans thirty and thirty-one. OKC is twenty-eight and thirty. They basically should jump OKC in Portland today because right. they got more wins than them. But uh, OKC, because I'm looking at Basketball Reference, so you know they update the next day. 
But uh, okay, see, it's twenty eight thirty one. Portland is twenty eight and thirty one. So you, it, it's really there for them for the taking. Honestly, and if Anthony Davis is healthy, LeBron is healthy. Everybody else can mail it in. Y'all can say what they want to say in the Twitter world about this and that about the roster. But if Anthony Davis is averaging twenty six and 13, 11, 12, LeBron is averaging twenty five, twenty six points. We consider these guys top tier players. They now have solid role players. They still could use some shooting, but, you know, we passed that. You know, there's nobody you can trade for now, which Malik Beasley helps with the shooting. But we saw today when they go cold, they were cold early. That's why they were down. He's so, realistically still their only shooter. Yeah, he was the only shooter. And, and, and you know, Austin Reeves is going to help with that too. But if we – I just said I don't think – I think realistically at the top of his game, Anthony Davis should be a top ten player, top five player really. LeBron is probably still a top 10 player. Solid role players everywhere. D'Angelo Russell, um, Vanderbilt in the role he's playing for them. Austin Reeves, because I feel like there's a lot less pressure on him now. He could just kind of do what he does. Dennis Schroeder played a really solid game for them. The Lakers should be in position to make, oh, sure. to, to bypass the play. I'm not saying they will, but they should be in position to. Oh, for sure. And looking at Dallas, like you said, Brought it up about their rebound because that's kind of what it, that's where they lost the game in the fourth quarter, giving up some offensive rebounds to the Lakers. Anthony Davis capitalizing on a lot of them. Of course, people were wondering what they were going to look like defensively after they trade for Kai, uh, Kyrie Irving. That is, and once they go cold, of course, those defensive problems will come up. But like I say, rebound is going to be the bigger. I think it's going to be the bigger issue for them because they really, they real life are only playing two big men. Uh, I don't know what's up with uh, Bertans and uh, what's my guy's name? Uh, Bertans was in the hoodie today. He, uh, he was out. Of course, he's always in the hoodie. <laughs> but only playing with two big men today. Like you say, of course, it's too. It's probably too late to go acquire another big. Even though it's, they were talking, well, Marcus Aldridge was and talks to go to Dallas like a week ago. I don't know what's going on with that. But do you? With the personnel that they have, you know, it is what it is. A lot. It's a lot of offensive players, so not really a lot of gritty, grindy-type players. Josh Green is one of those. He doesn't play big minutes, though. But do you think at some point rebounding issues could shorten Dallas' season this year? Oh, uh, for sure. And then, like I said, they're going to have to look and see what they can get on the buyout market. Um, but at some point, size matters. Pause. Even when you go against these teams that play these what do you call it, positionless players or they play the the five out type of game, you still gonna run into teams like the Lakers that could do that and still have players that are tall, um, that can rebound the ball and stuff like that. So winning extra possessions is key to winning in, in the playoffs. So I think Dallas is definitely gonna have to address it. Um I don't know what's up like JaVale McGee, he's supposed to be on the right he's on the roster, he's been hurt for a long time. Or I think he's hurt. I don't know. But you're going to have to see what you can find on the buy market. I don't know if Marcus Aldridge moves the needle. He's 6'11", though, so I guess it helps a little bit. And if he still can play, you know, he always can knock down the mid-range here or there. But because uh, he – I feel like he was solid for Brooklyn last year, but you could tell he's more towards the end. 
No, yeah, I feel like I said, definitely have to trust he was on the buyout market. But like I said, Lakers picked up a big win, and hopefully they can carry this momentum out to the end of the season. Say so the big other big game on TV today was Milwaukee and Phoenix. Milwaukee's at full power with Chris Middleton finally back in the lineup for a couple games in a row. Phoenix still waiting on Kevin Durant to come back. Well, no Giannis today. No Giannis today. Still at full power without Giannis, but Giannis does make a big difference. Like I say Milwaukee is fourteen and zero. You know, coming into you know coming in after today's victory, do you see Milwaukee slowing down at all to end the season, or do you feel like Milwaukee's at that part? They're such a veteran team, playoff experience team, that they know what they have to do. They're in second place right now. I don't think that lead between them and Boston is that crazy. Like they can catch Boston, but do you think realistically they can catch Boston and kind of finish off the season how they want to finish it off? Yeah, I think so. Because uh, Drew is playing really well right now. Bobby Portis has been a double-double machine. Brook Lopez has been solid. Chris Mills is working his way back to health. And even without Giannis today, um, you know, Giannis isn't going to miss too much time. I feel it's like a quad injury, but I don't think it's anything serious. Um, but you can see Milwaukee want to gear up to, you know, try and get back to the top and win another championship. 14-game winning streak after winning today. And they've really just been rolling overall. So, um, like you said, having so many veterans, you've been there before. They've been they've been solid all year, honestly. You know, they've had some down moments here and there, but they've been a solid team all year. But it's like they've really been clicking the last month, um, which is what you really want going into this time. So they'll eventually lose. I don't think they end the year undefeated. But you definitely want to have this type of energy as you get ready to head into the playoffs. Uh, that definitely got to feel good to keep getting these wins, especially if they win in every type of way. You know, Drew gave you 30 today. So, uh, a great defensive play at the end on Devin Booker where he kind of swipes. You don't even notice how he swipes the ball out at the end. Um, good minutes from Joe Ingles. Jay Crowder has kind of – you can see the role that he's going to play there. He's, he fits in pretty well. So, yeah, yeah, Milwaukee got to feel good about where they where they are and where they're going right now. Even with, like I said, with Giannis out, because he won't be out too long. No, nah, yeah, I definitely get with, like I said, veteran team, veteran coach. And it's funny how, you know, winning that championship has kind of turned Bud Hall's career around because I remember even then um, it was people saying, we don't care, they don't care if they did win the championship, they would still fire him, which is crazy to show how much trust the organization have in a coach like that. Sometimes you just need that. Like, you just need – like he, Bud has always been a solid coach. He's definitely gonna have his team ready. Like I said, I don't know if they're gonna go undefeated at the end of the year off either. That'd just be crazy. I don't care how locked in you is. I don't think nobody that's locked in to finish basically finish off a two month stretch of going undefeated. Phoenix, of course, you know came up short. You know playing with some players, playing a little short, short handed on the roster. Of course, after the trade. There's been a lot of talk about Phoenix and how now that they're a super team after adding Kevin Durant. True or not true, I don't necessarily care. But that's, does that speak to the volume of how great Kevin Durant is, though? It's like Phoenix has been struggling all year. I know they've been hurt for the most part. So now they get all their play, they get their best players back. They start to win games. And of course, like I said, after the trade, they're down some roster, they're down some roster pieces waiting on KD to get back. But does I remember the. Um, when KD first went to Golden State, and the thing was, everybody was saying KD can go anywhere and make a team great. Why is that a problem? I guess why is that a problem? We ain't got to get because I feel like that's a conversation every summer. But does 
just that alone, shouldn't there be more respect on his name? Like you say, Kevin Durant goes there and automatically a super team. Right now, but people are always just gonna hold him going to the Warriors. But you can't really say that they're a super team. I wouldn't. Um, even though I, if Devin Booker was healthy, I think he would have been an All Star. Uh, Chris Paul, you can clearly see <laughs> that he's at he's more towards the end than the beginning. Um, DeAndre Ayton, really good player. I like DeAndre Ayton. He hasn't made an All Star team yet, but he's made strides this year as a defensive player, which is gonna make them dangerous in the playoffs. So. Yeah, Kevin Durant, I already I said the last two episodes, I said one more time, he's the best pluggable superstar player in the history of the NBA because he could fit in anybody's anybody's offensive scheme. Uh, he could play in any type of basketball style. So um, he should come back Wednesday. That's when they're, trying to, they're looking at him coming back. I think they play Charlotte, which is good because uh, – you get 20 games to really kind of figure it out, get, get some rhythm, find out the spots that he want the ball in, how do you play him and Devin Booker together, which I don't think none of that is going to be issues or whatever, but it's a, that's a good time for Phoenix to get 20 games rolling because even though you added such a big piece at the end of the season, uh, they still think they can well, – they really think they can win a championship now because I don't think they were thinking championship – well, they were thinking it, but I don't know if you, they realistically thought they could win right. before the deal. No, for sure. Like I said, adding Katie, like, you know, like adding Kyrie to fit to Dallas at this part of the season. Even though, like you said, you know, on record plenty of times, Katie is probably the most pluggable superstar in any NBA offensive and defensive system. You expect a little, you know, first maybe a little rust, you know, missing two, three, you know, almost a whole month. But how quickly do you think, you know, Phoenix can get it together where they can get in a role and to finish off the season strong? I'm not going to lie. I don't really expect too much rest from KD. Um, right. Just because I, I don't say that as I, – I'll go out there and say as far as watching basketball today, he's play, I like to watch the most out of today's players that are playing. But if you just look at his return games throughout history, like it's usually not an issue those first couple games. Like – He's come back and played really well those initial games. Now you gotta throw in a wrinkle that all right, you're coming back from injury with the new team this time, like it's not even the roster you've been playing with or whatever. So you gotta add that too. But I think the fact that he's going to a team where they can still keep it simple with what you wanna do, you you do have a floor general type of point guard. Devin Booker is a volume scorer, but he's not a ball-dominant player. He plays off the ball. He does down screens. He handles the ball. He does a little bit of everything. DeAndre Ayton doesn't just necessarily play in the post. He really doesn't play in the post. Honestly, he gets a lot of you know, mid-range shots, corner, you know, mid-corner situation shots in the three. So I feel like they're going to have spots that they can put him in. And I'm pretty sure if, if they're thinking about him coming back Wednesday, like he's on court now, playing now. Yeah, he, he won. He was um, a shoot around. He got on shoot around. So he's getting his rhythm back now. It's just a matter of how his win, basically, because since it's a leg injury, it's like I you haven't been able to run. Um, so how tired does he get? But as far as just hooping, like I wouldn't be surprised if he came back to a really, really solid game, like 25 plus points. Um, Especially then Charlotte is a good game to come back on because Charlotte isn't good. No, for sure. But, like I said, I think, you know, once everything gets right, they figure everything out offensively and defensively. 
Especially with, you Defense know. Defense is what it might be. You know, you got to learn the verbiage. And- no, yeah, definitely. That's probably going to be the biggest thing, right? Learning all, yeah. learning turns for sets because it's so different. You know, they vary from team to team. But I think Phoenix is in a position where they can't go on a run. Because, like I so said, you do have a player in Kevin Durant who's pluggable in the offense and defense. And then a player, Devin Booker, who I don't think he's going to take anything away from. If anything, it's got, he's going to add to what Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden already do successfully. Of course, like I said, it came up short today with Milwaukee who's playing at a, you know, all-time high during this point of the season right now. So, we'll see what Phoenix looks like once they add um, KD from off the injured list. Say Milwaukee, who knows how they're going to finish their season off. Maybe they go undefeated. Maybe they don't. You know, they just try to – everybody's just at that point in the season where they're just fine-tuning everything for the playoffs. You're going to see some teams starting to show their, showing their rotation. You're going to see some players who you used to playing – you know, 25 minutes a night might go to that 17 minutes a night just getting ready and wrapped up for the playoffs and whatnot. Jason Tatum hits a big game winner against the set Philadelphia 76ers on Saturday night coming off his All-Star game MVP. Boston is, you know, Embiid had 41 to 17. I want to say that first because Embiid is Embiid and he's that guy. But Boston, like I say, been, been in first place all year, had the best record in the NBA all year. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum should both be healthy enough to finish the season along with Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Robert Williams, and all those important players. Malcolm Brogdon right now is probably the leading candidate for the sixth man of the year. Getting a win like that where it was back and forth, Philly had a lead at one point, Boston had a you know sizable lead at one point. Is that the type of game you want to see Boston come out and win right out, you know, right out the gates, close win? It's a rivalry type game. You got to see your best player hit a big shot, even though he didn't play well. Jalen Brown had a pretty had a pretty good big game for him. Al Horford knocked down some good shots. Marcus Smart does Marcus Smart things, but is this a successful win coming out? You know, getting that buzzer beater like that against a tough opponent, in your opinion? Yeah, because Philly is a. Philly is supposed to be a threat, and even though you've been beating them over the years, you're still supposed to be a threat, so you still got to send them a message that they they got a long way to go. Um, So it's definitely a a good win, and like you said, Jason Tatum, big shot at the end, didn't have the best offensive game, and even Jalen Brown, he finished with big numbers, you know, in solid efficiency, but I feel like he shot the ball a little bit more than he, it's some shots he could have had back or whatever throughout that game. But it's definitely a win that you want um, as you're getting ready to – you want – not only have they been on top of the East all year, they've been on top of the league all year. Um, so, it's not the time to lose it. So, you, you got to keep going, honestly. Uh, Milwaukee is like two games behind them. They got the same amount of losses, but Boston has two more wins. So, they're, they're right on your coattails. So, I know they want to, they wanna, uh, you know – solidify that spot and pull off on him a little bit. But speaking of Marcus Smart, I see he got a fan kicked out of the game. And I'm so interested in why players nowadays, like I know fans be talking crazy. I don't know what they said or what was said. I don't even want to get into all that. Players nowadays pay more attention to what fans say in the stands than I can ever remember. Like, it's always happened or whatever. Right. Somebody has said something occasionally. I ain't going to say they never said nothing or never got in tour with fans, but it just seems like it's so prevalent nowadays. And I'm just like, why y'all not locked in on the game? You an important part of the game. You worry about what somebody in the stands got to say, I don't even hear you. It, it, it's just kind of weird to me how many players are so focused on the fans nowadays and to the point that you arguing with a fan mid-game. 
I don't, I don't really get it. Even and honestly, they shouldn't be able to say that wild to you. That should be on the security. But even if they do say something wild, I'm locked in on the game. I can't even hear you. Like, why, why am I even listening to you? Because when Marcus Smart, they was in the middle of a timeout. You talking to the fan? I mean, I know they got some out of time and timeout because remember you got the time where they first go sit down, the coaches gather and all that type of stuff. You should be talking to your teammates and stuff like that. Like, how how can you even hear what a fan is saying? It's just kind of weird that that's such a thing nowadays. No, I get what you're saying because I, I, I get because even Jalen Brown was quoted as uh, saying, you know, something you know it gets a little over the line. Just talking about Philly fans in general, you know, saying, yeah, you know, they go over the line. Like it gets over a line, so you know, border point, borderline, you know, disrespect. Even before the game, you know, you walking through, the, you see, you walking through the tunnel, you hear somebody scream, "I hope you tear your ACL, I hope you break your ACL." So like, I like I say, fans do say some things. And they do get wild. They do get over the line. But to your point, at what point did you stop and even pay attention to what a fan was saying? Because we do see players and fans interact all the time. A lot of times, you know, it's, you know, where's the playful, where's playful banner? Even where's just you know jeering at the home crowd? Because that's they're probably giving it right back to you. So stuff like that. But I don't. But you're right. I don't know when we got to a point where it's like. Why you why why can't you hear the fan that clearly that you need him kicked out of the game? Now if he says something wild, he, you know he need to be kicked out of the game. That's cool, fine, kick him out of the game. But that you know you probably shouldn't be able to focus on that as much as the players have in the last three to four to five years. Yeah, I, I, people say wild stuff. Somebody shouldn't be telling you that you wish. You could tell your ACL, but I'm not gonna go back and forth with you because you tell me I need, I, you hope I tell my ACL. Like, I ain't even paying attention to you down, down here. But hey, I guess it gives you if, you, if you deal with it a lot, it gets annoying after a while. So I understand it. They're people too. I just don't get why players are going back and forth with fans so much. Getting them fans. No, Especially I- on the road, like. <laughs> Honestly, I, I wouldn't expect it on the road, but hey, that is what it is. Oh no, I definitely I feel you. I, and speaking of buzzer beaters, Trey Young also hit a buzzer beater today against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, we can start with let's start. We can start with the Hawks getting their first win after firing head coach Nate McMillan. I don't remember the the G, the NRK coach name. I'm not even gonna act like it I don't do. even matter because Wolves just announced that Quinn Snyder got a five year deal. So. Before we get to the game, I, that that is so unnecessarily long of a contract for a coach who you don't. I, I always say as a player, I wouldn't sign more than three years. I would really just like to sign for two and figure it out after those two. But as a coach, that scene, especially once I see the pattern for real, like what Lloyd got two, two and a half, Nate got basically one and three quarters. Like I wouldn't be so ready to sign a five-year contract, especially when I saw how my last, like, Quinn Snyder started aging horribly at the end of his Utah career. Like, oh, is he going to be ready for the Fast City in Atlanta? But no, seriously, um, the Hawks, people, like I say, pick up their first win, kind of let the game slip out of control for a minute. But the Hawks picking up the first win, do you want to see this game turn into momentum, especially with the Quinn Snyder hiring being official as we're recording this? And do you, because we said, we figured, you know, Nate stay and they push for the playoffs. Clearly got to a point where it was so bad that they didn't even figure, think the play, you know, that it was even worth it. 
But what do you expect now with the Hawks? Like I say, coming off a big coming off a big win today, and then hiring Quinn Snyder. Uh, this roster got to be for sure pushing to avoid the play-in. What? Were the Hawks in the play-in last No, they weren't in the play-in last year. You got to be pushing to avoid the play-in. Um, they're in play-in position right now at, at eight. Uh, that's even before the win today. But as much as these players want to talk about development, you got to be trying to win games out there. The Hawks isn't playing for the draft no more. So... You definitely want to hope that this win goes into the, the momentum shift. And I don't know, I think, I think it's going to be weird, though, especially with Quinn being announced now as the coach. As the interim coach and people on that staff, knowing that you possibly don't have a job after this, why are you, what are you motivated to do? And then just like, is Quinn going to just take over right now? So you just walk in and now we're running your system and stuff like that. So. I'm interested to see how the season ends for the Hawks, but you would hope that they can start winning some games. Nah, yeah, I hope so too. Because like you say, at this point, because I know that's been one of the big criticisms with Nate was, you know, how he did come out of last, beginning of last season, say they're done developing and how they basically pushed him for the playoffs and playoff runs. You know, I would go ahead and add some stuff to it because if you're done developing, that's what you're pushing for, right? Deep playoff runs. And I know a lot of things that, you know, they were, made of it as well was, you know, there was a disconnect. Nate being an old school type of coach probably would have preferred or would have been better off with a veteran team and the Hawks being a younger team, you know, like a younger-ish type of team, um, you know, probably wanted to play more offensively minded instead of defensively because, you know, they don't play defense for real. But Quinn Snyder is the same type of coach for real as Nate McMillan. He's going to hold them accountable on both sides of the ball, oh, both sides of the balls, on both sides of the ball, whether that's offensively taking untimely bad threes, bad turnovers, bad possessions where, you know, you're not swinging, where they're not swinging the ball around. And of course, defensively losing your man, not rotating and just being confused overall. But hopefully, you know, Quinn Snyder can come in and light a spark at the end of the season like Nate McMillan did when he got, when he got the job but looking at this win and like I said this is a time when you need all the victories you can get I don't care who it's against does this you think that this is where the Hawks do turn their season around it I know you said they want to push they should be trying to push for the sixth seed but do you think this is realistically where they turn the season around it if they don't start playing more defense they're just going to get more of the same because we I mean even under Nate you already know that they can score so, I just think it's going to be hard for – I wouldn't be motivated as a coach to coach this team. And then if he come in and take over, that just make it even weird because who plays – what system are y'all running? Right. So, uh, I think it, it may get tough for the Hawks down the stretch. Nah, but before we go to Brooklyn, you feel like it's one of those Coach Carter things. Come here, we working on defense. And what, what, what we do all week, really? God, he just held around. Basically. <laughs> and, I mean, that's just going to lead to bad habits, bad shots. Even worse like, shots than already what is, taken. But the offense isn't the problem, though. We all know the defense is with the main. No, it is because, like you say, like we were talking about yet the other day when we were just talking, like, you know, what's, what has changed in Nate's offense between when they made the playoff run and, you know, when he gets fired? What has he done? What has he been doing differently for real? He, he's there for the whole season and not just 30 games. Nah, I feel you on facts. But Brook, the Brooklyn Nets who came out after the trade and looking like a good, young, exciting, fun team who could be scrappy and make some noise and probably make it tough for somebody in the playoffs, they're probably going to get to that point where they're going to see that 
as good as these role players are, they don't have enough talent to actually win games and keep them in that spot where they were in the playoffs. You know, once before everybody gets traded, they were in the fourth spot. They want to. They did win a couple games. They in between a couple losses. If you're Brooklyn, because like you basically gave you basically gave up two All Star type players, a superstar type player, to say we gonna build, you know, kind of back to what they were before with Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, you know, that young scrappy team. Um, where does Brooklyn go now though? Like after all this, because this is a game. If you got one star player, you probably win this game against the Hawks, even though they were down like twenty two at one point. But where do you go if you Brooklyn looking at this game? I think they still end up making the playoffs this year, but they they start looking towards the summer, seeing who they can fit around the role players that they got. Because I don't think they're gonna necessarily start just playing for the draft again, even though you did recoup some draft picks when you traded uh, KD and Kyrie. But I think they still gonna try and put somebody there, find a player that fits Brooklyn that wants to play in Brooklyn, um, and you put them around these role players that you got and. You know, it's still a chance to be a, a good basketball franchise there because you have solid role players there. But days like today, you're going to really see where they're lacking that go-to guy. Like when people don't have it, that guy carries it for a game, for quarters, for a few minutes. And it can get tough when you don't have that player. So I think they, they still got a good chance to make the playoffs because they're in such a good position. Um, but we definitely, definitely don't expect to see them make it out of the first round. If they make the play, if they end up in the play-in, I wouldn't expect to see them win a game in the play-in, honestly. But no. you never know. Then when you can go off for a big night, um, Cam Bridges is a solid player. Cam Thomas still got Seth and Joe. Um, so anything still can happen, and they're gonna play well. They're gonna uh, Jack Burns gonna keep coaching them up. Shout out to him again for his extension that he just got. But uh, they, so they still going they still gonna play hard. But sometimes when you play a team with a superstar and you don't got one, you can see where the talent go. No, for sure. And speaking of um, Jock Vaughn, he recently came out with a couple, you know, quotables that not necessarily interesting, like they were controversial, but they was interesting just coming from a head coach, in my opinion. One of them involving Cam Thomas and the other with Ben Simmons. Uh, Cam Thomas went, of course, he was asked about, you know, Cam going for 40 in those three straight games after the trade. He said he liked it, you know, it was nice to see Cam play at that level, basically, and, you know, he liked, you know, he liked the effort, he liked, you know, he did like it, but they lost all three of those games, they lost all three of those games, and that's what it should, that's what it should be about. Of course, when you you know there's when you go on Twitter and you look at it, you might not know who won because they're only cheering for the one player, and that was Cam Thomas, like I said, who had forty and three straight games. But to hear Jock Vaughn say that, how important is that still right now for like so you got a bunch of players who are basically role players and trying to figure out how they're gonna finish this season off? Right, it just shows that they still looking for consistency out of those players. I mean, it's the NBA. Players can have big nights, and to be able to have consistent big nights like that is special. But if you're not winning, at some point, it really doesn't matter. Um, and even if you, because it was three straight games, even if you go two and one, that's that's still, you, you lost a game, but the winning is still what really matters. Because if you're scoring all those points and y'all aren't winning, then maybe something needs to be done differently to help <laughs> get a win. No, right. And then the other one with Ben Simmons was, um, 
he didn't know where he no he didn't necessarily know where he fit into the rotation, you know, because he playing with Nick Claxton is kind of not enough space out there. And then you know play him, you could play him by himself, but you can't really play him by himself. To hear that at this point in the season, I'm you know honestly it doesn't matter at what point of the season, but to hear Jock Vaughn say that when they're trying to make a push with this team, where he's really on whether he's on you know on the court playing or he's on the sideline, he's probably still their best player, their best talent on the team. To hear Jock Vaughn say that about Simmons, how does that really sum up his season so far? Truthfully, right, it's just so being like you gotta. I mean, you could tell it's not surprising that he come off the bench because now the starters, it makes sense for him when he's out there with other shooters. And now in the start line, like Cam Johnson can shoot, Mikael can shoot, but they're not shooters necessarily. Um, and Brooklyn's playing with a completely new star lineup outside of uh, outside of Dick Claxton. Uh, Royce O'Neal's coming off the bench now. Like I said, Ben's off the bench. Seth and Joe's coming off the bench. You traded Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So... Ben, what he does, I guess, doesn't fit with them. And then it really doesn't fit when he's still trying to figure out, I guess, where he's at with his game, his aggressiveness, uh, even just trying to get back to the all-star player that he was. So um, Ben has to do some soul searching this summer and figure out what is he trying to do, uh, what, what best suits his game, how does he want to play, does he want to play, and he got to take the game to the next level. Um, because just looking at looking like one of the players on the court isn't isn't gonna keep him around, and especially like Jock, he, once coaches don't start buying benching you, even despite what your deal is, you'll be out the league quicker than you think. Nah, I respect that. Real quick, um, I don't know if you saw it or not, but did you see what uh, Gorgeous Yang said about being in the situation last year? No. Basically, how you had him handicapped. But it wasn't because of how he played. It was the fact that he wasn't on the court. So they didn't really know what they were doing for real because it's like, you know, you kind of force yourself out the lineup and off the team. So it was like, you are, until they got the, into the James Harden trades, like, yeah, you are kind of holding us back with what we could be doing this season. Do you kind of agree with that? Because, like I yeah, said, that's what I said all year. Everybody gave Jokic credit for for what he was doing with Denver because Jamal Murray and, um, and Michael Porter Jr. was hurt, but like I said, Philly was in the same position. You came into that year not knowing who your starting point guard was going to be, not knowing what you was going to get out of Maxi. If he was ready to step up, is Ben going to be on the team? Are we going to trade him? And that went all the way to the trade deadline. He literally held, that literally held him up for half of the season because this is a starting player, all-star player, that plays 30-plus minutes a night. But part of our system is built around you. They trade him for a point guard because the system is built around him, built around him as their as their point guard. So that is a that is a fair point. I said that all year. Like everybody gave Jokic credit for that, and now they think Embiid got enough credit for where he had Philly, and despite them not knowing what was going to happen with Ben Simmons, whether he was coming back, whether they was going to trade him. Uh, whether he was going to be out for the whole year because of injury, nobody knew what was going to happen. No, I thought it was, I just thought it was interesting because I know when people saw the quote, the quote was literally just Ben Simmons handicapped us. So of course, people automatically went super negative. And he did. That is what it is. Like you got to have accountability for that. And if it was because of injury, cool. That should have been established. But I'm with Jalen Rose on it. 
if Ben was hurt, how did he pass the physical when he got traded? I ain't gonna call out nobody being hurt. I ain't there in these physicals and I don't know what type of pain threshold these folks dealing with, but you see when Gary Payton just got hurt that they didn't know it was an injury because Brooklyn didn't know that that man was hurt when they had to shut him down at the end of the year. Gary Payton second just got traded. They was like, hold on, this man is hurt. That's, they take physicals for these trades to go through. So if he was hurt for real, why can't nobody find out the injury? That's what the physical was for. So Ben Simmons did handicap them last year um, over some stuff that I thought could have been worked out, but I'm not also a part of the relationship either. So that's another situation in itself also. Now, and before we get out of here, I want to read a quote from Steph. I'll, first and foremost, I want disclaimer. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's a more, it's a newer quote, but I don't know how new. Um, and it's about load management, which is, I felt like that wasn't a big topic of conversation this year. But the further we get into a season, I have seen it come up a lot more and more, especially when you have players who've kind of been on the pro, I want to play every game possible side Kyrie. And Anthony was the first two that come to mind on that. I know KD has always talked about how he likes playing a lot of minutes and a lot of games, don't necessarily like sitting or not. But Steph says, uh, one of the biggest criticisms the NBA has faced in recent years is the growing phenomenon of low management. Star players in the league are resting more often to preserve their bodies along the grinding 82 regular season games. This is where Steph chimes in. Warriors guard Steph Curry nicks the perception surrounding low management. Uh, following Golden State's 129-120 win over um, OKC on Monday. I usually compla- I usually campaign to play every game, Curry said. That's the mis- misconception about load management and how it goes. It's never the player that is usually saying, hey, I want to sit. For all those people that are worried about the part that part of the league, of our league, it's usually not the players that is going to the training staff and saying, hey, I don't have it tonight. It's usually the other way around. There's a lot of science involved. When you hear that, because of course that I'm, this isn't to say that that's not a thing, because I do believe that a lot of times training staff and coaches will sit a player out, especially on a back to back. If even as soon as you say, "Hey, I feel a little something in my elbow," they'll probably say, "All right, you're not playing tonight, even if you want to play." But don't you still think that takes some or even a lot of credit—not uh, credibility, excuse me—but accountability away from players as well, though? Right, and I hear what Steph is saying, but the he campaigns to play every game is irrelevant. Not because he's Steph Curry, but because he has a severe injury history. Um, he's literally missed significant time in his NBA career, career because of injury. So, of, of course, this is 2023. Of course, there's more injury, man. And it's, it's not new because you've actually, I've heard older players come out and be like, yeah, we've been had, it's, it's, it's more prevalent. Uh, and they, they do it more, but they've been said, oh, yeah, the, we've had scheduled rest days in the 90s, in the 80s. Definitely in the 90s for sure, late 80s, but definitely in the 90s. So it's been around and it's just gone even crazy over the years after people kind of caught wind of what the Spurs was doing. Pop was playing people less. They would miss game, back-to-back games, roll games, five and seven days, them type of stuff. To say that players aren't sitting out, though, aren't choosing to, just isn't honest either, though. And that's the reason why I've always said it's an issue with because everybody's not being honest about the conversation. For one, I'm side that if you buy a ticket to go see a basketball game, you're not paying that ticket to go see one player. Alan Larson was my favorite player. Never seen him play live. I've seen the Philadelphia 76ers while he was on the roster. Never saw him play. Um, 
because that that's the chance that you take. It is a long game. You know that it's a long season. Excuse me. You know it's a chance of injury, um, and the, these are human bodies and stuff like that. But we also know that guys have chosen longevities of their career. I got injury history. I don't want to play this one, so they're gonna sit out because there are steps to take. Just in this past game the other night, Giannis' first game back, Milwaukee's first game back since the All-Star break, Giannis wasn't scheduled to play. He wanted to play. He had a wrist injury. He wasn't scheduled to play. He told him he wanted to play. They went him through a little workout. He showed that he could do what he could do. He checked the marks, and he played. That was a game that he wasn't supposed to play. So the notion that the players just don't sit themselves out is just not – I don't believe that's true. I, we've, we have seen them do it at every level. We've seen it can happen in college. It can happen in high school. I've seen dudes do it in summer league. Like, I, I don't play these games consistently. I ain't playing this game. And it's understandable that time, especially if it's games in a row. I don't think teams take the heat that they should. It is just put on unfairly on the players. So I don't want to take away from that point because teams do have – running hot days for players, scheduled rest days. Hey, we done play these games. We done travel like this. That man don't need to play tonight. He done played 30 straight games. You see how his production dipping because of this? Because he's starting to run on E. The teams definitely do that. But the players play a part in it. The players are always going to play a part in it because the players are the products, especially the top players especially when it comes down to TV games and, and things like that. Everybody plays a role. Everybody needs to do better in their role. Everybody needs to take more accountability in their role, including the fans, because if you choose to go watch the Lakers play the Clippers and LeBron don't play that night, you didn't go watch LeBron play the Clippers. You didn't pay to watch LeBron play the Clippers. You paid a ticket that says the Los Angeles Lakers on the front, and that is a factor that matters at the end of the day. Um, the league promotes its best players, obviously. You make money because of your best players, obviously, but you make money because of the whole team as well, too. Like, if the Hawks did a fundraiser event, I wouldn't be surprised to show up and Trey Young isn't there. You probably would be like, hey, it would be cool if Trey Young came, but in real life could be a neck of a car with Jalen Johnson. Those are Atlanta Hawks players. No, because I know that's been one of the things I've been seeing a lot lately. Like those, the NBA should make teams put out ahead of time who's going to be playing and who's not. They do. That's they called do. Injury. injury for it. <laughs> yeah, they, like, they, and they, they so strenuous with it. They, they've literally. I've seen more than ever teams get fined for players not playing or a player even playing who you said he wasn't going to play and then you put him on the report. Now you ain't reporting this right. Teams have gotten like fine for that, for not following that correctly the last couple of seasons. So, <laughs> yeah. No, and like I said, I think because we've gotten to a point where there's also more player fans than team oh, fans yeah, as well. Yeah. It is about, oh, I wanted to see LeBron. I don't like I get, like I said, I get it because like it's it? your, if that's your favorite player, you do at some point want to see him play. I don't think I ever see Rasheed Wallace play live. Been to plenty of Portland games. I've never seen Rasheed Wallace play live. Portland I've never Pistons seen Carmelo game. play live. I think I've seen Dame both times. I've seen Portland. You know when I when not you know more recent games to you know down here. I haven't seen Embiid play live. He missed the one. I think the last Philly game I went to, he missed. But it's like I think as fans, that is also unfair to think. <laughs> Because you bought a ticket, a player should be available at your 
beckon and call. Like at the end of the day, like how you know, at the end, of, these are people. Like, yeah, I was probably supposed to be at work today, but you know, they said I ain't got to work, so I ain't gonna work today. Exactly. Yeah. You I mean you get scheduled days off? You get vacation days? You get personal days? I ain't expect to take the day off, but I need to take the day off. I did that today, <laughs> so it, it happens. Um, but I definitely think players are more brand conscious. I need to protect myself, especially when you're not on the same page with a team type of thing and you think I might not be here next year or something like that. Contract situations. Players will definitely be like, yeah, they, you don't have to play through pain as much as before. And that's just a fact. Like Everyone talks about that all the time about the players don't have to play, play through as much pain. And they're getting just as many injuries as ever also. So, I mean, I don't know what the correlation with that is. But, yeah, the low, low management, the main thing is you want the best players to play. You want people to be honest about playing. You can't make anybody play through, play through pain either. So, I mean, if it hurts, it hurts. If you, if you, I can run, but I can't run how I normally run. I think that's the other run. part we forget. It's like they're not playing basket pickup where it's like, man, we know we finna have like 10, 10 bad possessions in a game at 24, so I can chill. No, like regardless of how sloppy it looks to us sometimes, that's still high intensity of I got to be ready. So, yeah, because I always think, too, we think of when on your ankles and your legs, you know, specifically us, we think of running this way, running this way. Like, no, nah, it's a chance I'm going to have to do this, 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 this. Like, back, I know y'all can't see my hands, but, like, back and forth, back and forth, because I never know what's going to happen, whether that's we both scoring, like, every time we touch it, or it's just sloppy basketball and we throw an air and pass it, so now we just running. We got, I got to shift the floor quickly and, like, get you run. You never guess like, the real intensity that they doing the grabbing a rebound, running down court, having to catch the ball, you know, gather yourself. All that stuff is, is pressure. You can't really see it. It's like when somebody, like Dennis Schroeder got hit in the face by Luca today. Uh, accidentally, he just like swiped down. And when you see it, he's like, oh, it's like he barely touched him. But if you've been on the other side of them swipes, no, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it looked like he barely touched him, but it felt like he broke my nose. <laughs> and that's how it can feel. So, like I said, real people, I think everybody can do better fans expectations uh teams being upfront about things players being honest about when they don't want to play and then, as a player i was here i was like i just ain't feel like playing for real yeah i mean I, it, I which is okay like i feel like everybody deserves like you could have a day where you just wake up and be like look i've been at work every day like i was literally like two three weeks in a row Two months in a row, three months in a row. I'm I'm tired today. I just really want to. We were gonna call in at that first morning walkthrough. Like I ain't gonna be there today, coach. Yeah, like that. that y'all can find me if y'all want, but I ain't gonna be there today. Yeah, that's how it goes sometimes. Like you really just gonna look today. I just ain't got it, so I can't do it today. But, I, th- uh, I, th- I think that's okay. No, yeah, I think that's okay. It just comes down to when players are are resting. Healthy about. players isn't it is an issue. Resting 100% healthy players, but players with injury history, older players. It's the young players that be sick. Yeah, it's young players. Players get low managed in summer league. (laughs) Like, come on. Right. Literally, Paolo played good. It's like, all right. 
they they low managed him in summer league last year. That was kind of ridiculous to me that he he played one game because he played well. Like he could he played well that first game. He could literally come out of the next game and had a two point shot terribly. It's like all right, this is what we need to work on because he played well one game. All right, let's not risk no it. Like you, it's a chance you get hurt. You can get hurt at shoot around. It can happen. So that's when it's like, all right, we're doing a little too much. Um, other than that, you got anything else for this episode? Um, nah, just other than that, just, uh, oh, I do want to say this cool stat that I found out for today. Got this from StatMuse. Shout out to StatMuse.com, not StatMuse on Twitter. It's the same people, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a difference. <laughs> yeah, right. But today, February 26, 1985, Dr. Julius Irvin, Dr. J for you suckers. Past Elvin Hayes to be the league, started all time leading scorer. And I said, I wanted to mention that because I said it's crazy. In 85, he became the third all time leading scorer. Because this is at the end of his career. He spent so many years at the beginning um, in the ABA. Who imagine where Dr. J would have been or could have ended if he would have just been straight NBA? Um, so shout out to Dr. J. Probably. That's, this is how I go over the years. You get more and more underrated. Like, I feel like if you ask the average person today, name their top 10 small four, some of them might not have Dr. J on the list, and that really kind of upsets me. <laughs> like, they really don't know that this man was nice. He'll dunk on you, he gonna get fly, then he gonna invite you to dinner. And then his wife gonna feed you, then he gonna send you home, then he gonna drop 40 the next night. Like, Dr. J was really that guy. He was really nice on the court. He wasn't just a dunker. And he, he's like real deal superstar. So shout out to Dr. J, one of the coolest dudes ever, uh, one of the best NBA players of all time, top five small forwards ever. Okay, who you got on there? LeBron, KD, Larry Bird, Elgin Baylor, Dr. J. Stop playing with Dr. J. Um, but other than that, does anybody else got an argument outside of the top five? No. I mean, uh, of course, Scottie Pippen gets the argument. Hell no. I feel you. No, I, I would feel never you. in life even consider taking Scottie Pippen over Dr. J or Elgin Baylor. Would not consider it. We should, Any talk of Scottie Pippen, especially, see, I, I get why people gonna hate on Elgin Baylor and I ain't gonna get into the older player, whatever. I'm gonna let y'all hate on Elgin Baylor because y'all stupid. Scottie Pippen. Could he could never be better than Dr. J? He did nothing better than Dr. J. He didn't dress better than him. His <laughs> shoes wasn't better. He did nothing better than Julius Irvin. He didn't lead a team better. He's not a better retired player right now. Dr. J is still better than Scottie Pippen. Shout out to Scottie Pippen, but he ain't Dr. J. And any list of putting Scottie Pippen ahead of Dr. J is hype beast. Alright. But uh, uh appreciate the supporters. <laughs> you know, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Spotify and Apple are the go-to places, but we a little bit of everywhere. So just do your podcast searching. Uh YouTube, subscribe to us on YouTube, just search the Hoopers Pod. Uh on the Twitter at Hoopers Pod. You can go on there and um yeah, just appreciate the supporters as always. That's all I got. All right, with that being said, I'm John W. It's Fresh X. This was another episode of the Hoopers Pod.